We're going to be reading two today. First is 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and we'll get one for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll read verses 1 through 5. Okay, let's begin. 1 Corinthians 4. So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. Now, if you'll turn to the right, we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Hebrews, James, and then 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Natalie. Can you see? Do you know why we are so grateful and thankful to God? It's because God is a good steward. Say that word with me. Steward. How do you spell that? I already knew, but thank you for helping me out. Steward. That's what God is. God is a steward. He's not only a good steward, he's a magnificent steward. And the only reason you and I can be grateful is that God is faithful. God is trustworthy. God is a good steward. Now you might be thinking, well, he's going to preach on tithing today. Well, actually I'm not. Unless you want me to. I mean, I, I can't change. But I'm not going to preach on tithing. But I'm going to preach on the big, big picture of being a Christian steward in life, but we are going to take an offering today as we normally do because it's the way we show our dependence for God, upon God, and our willingness to serve God in building His church. This is such an important message. And um, I'd like to begin by encouraging you to, to really get into this message. Let me tell you a little story. In Kentucky... Near Valentine's Day, uh, Nina Harris told her husband, Alan, that she was looking forward to getting some flowers on Valentine's Day. But she said, not roses. I'd like to have the flower that was my favorite as I was growing up as a girl. And he said, well, what are those? I, I think I know what they are, he said, but tell me. She said, well, they're tulips. They're tulips. She said, I love tulips. 
And I would be very happy on Valentine's Day if you would give me some beautiful tulips. Well, time passed and Valentine's Day came. And on that morning, they were at home and they were going to celebrate this special day. And so uh, there was a special delivery knock at the door. He jumped up. He said, honey, 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 as he took the package, your turnips are here. It's a true story, by the way. True story. She said, turnips. I didn't say turnips. I said tulips. He said, no, 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 no. You told me you wanted some special turnips. And I got them. And then she said to him what every wife has said to their husband at some type or another. You don't listen to me. Honey, I thought I heard what you said. You said you wanted some turnips and I had to go to a lot of trouble to get these turnips. Well, the story ended on a good note because they kissed and made up and he got her some tulips. But here's my point. Yeah, it's true that we men sometimes very rarely don't listen. But that has been known to happen. But I also think that many times even believers like us don't listen about stewardship. I really think we don't. I think it's because we get our defenses up when we hear the word steward because we think the pastor is going to be trying to pick our pocket and put more money in the offering plate. Now, I can't honestly say that hasn't ever happened before. It does happen from time to time. But the point of the matter is stewardship is in the Bible and being a good steward is a part of living the Christian life. So here we are in this series, Be Great, Be What God Made You to Be. So far we've been through that God wants us to be a child in His family, a soldier in His army, a, a lover in a loveless world, an ambassador to represent Him in our world, an overcomer of evil, a follower, a servant. And last week we spoke about being a gospel partner. God does His part. God looks at you and me and says, now I want you to do your part. So today we would like to explore uh, what it means to be a successful steward. Now all of us are stewards, whether you're a Christian or not. You are a steward. But there's a difference in just being a steward and being a successful steward. So let's find out what God says about biblical stewardship. Now Natalie read some great passages a moment ago about being a steward, one entrusted with what God entrusts to us. So we want to look in some detail today at what this means. A good, successful steward. Now the word steward, let's just take that first, all right? What does that mean? If you looked it up in the dictionary, you'd find different meanings. A steward is a trustee. A steward is a manager. A steward is an overseer. A steward is a caretaker. A steward, that's you, is an investor. A steward is an administrator. That's you, you're an administrator. You're all of these things I'm naming. A steward is an agent. And a steward is a guardian. 
a guardian of God's possessions. There's one thing that a steward is not. You are not, I am not, an owner. I'm not an owner. I'm a steward of what God owns. Now you say, well, how extensive is that, Pastor? How much does God own? Well, let me just tell you this. There isn't anything, we'll just take Boynton Beach. There isn't anything in Boynton Beach whatsoever that God does not own. And there is not one single person in Boynton Beach who is not a steward, whether they're a believer or not. On top of that, there's not one single person in Boynton Beach who when their time comes to leave this earth will give an account of their stewardship. They will talk to God. They will be examined by God about the stewardship of their life as an agent, a trustee, a manager, an overseer, a caregiver, an investor, a supervisor, administrator, agent, and guardian. We are guardians. We guard what God gives to us and we guard all of God's powers and blessings in our life, but we don't own them. It's been well said, you've heard it many times. Have you ever seen a funeral on the road and right behind the hearse is a U-Haul? No, they're not taking anything with them. Everything's left behind. Somebody asked about one of the wealthiest men in America. How much did he leave behind? And the answer was everything. We leave it all behind. And so the Bible tells us we will give an accounting of our stewardship for God, whether an unbeliever or a believer. An unbeliever or a believer. But a believer has a special privilege and duty, and that is to be God's agent, to be God's steward of all the blessings that God has given, because we receive the powers of God in our life through our faith and trust and belief in Christ. So what's the difference between a successful steward and an unsuccessful steward? There are Christians who are unsuccessful in their stewardship. I mean, here and now, they're unsuccessful in it. And as a result, they do not receive the powers and the benefits and the blessings, the guidance, the right decisions that God could give them if they were to trust God as the giver of all things. So in in the Bible, in Psalm 24, there's no need to turn there. Our time is so limited. Let me read this to you. The earth is... Owned by National Geographic. No. The earth is whom? Whose? The Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. He's the owner. You're not. I'm not. We're not. They're not. Washington's not. The universities are not. The military's not. The banks are not. Wall Street's not. God is the owner of all things and there will be a day of accountability. Stewards are accountable to God. And so a Christian steward is successful as we follow God's way. When we recognize that God owns all things, He's our creator, and we respond to Him by faith as as a beneficiary of His, 
a manager of life, and we learn that God reciprocates. Reciprocates. Uh, Reciprocate means that we work back and forth with God. We give, God gives. We follow, God gives guidance and leadership. Reciprocating saw. You ever heard of one of those? Reciprocating saw. That's how you get things done. Reciprocation in the Christian life means that we relate to God, we partner with God, and He's the one who works with us. So, um, we've just taken a moment to give a biblical explanation. We've explained what the word steward means, but let me go ahead and give you the Greek word, just to show you I know a little bit of Greek at least. The Greek word is okonomos or ekonomos. We get the word economy from it. It's made up of two words, ekos or oikos, depending on the translation of the Greek that you use, which means house. And then nomos coming from a word nemos, which means to manage. Economics simply means the way you manage your financial house or manage the gifts of life that you've been given. For the Christian, it means that we are God's stewards of the house of life that God has given to you and me. We're house managers. The house of your body, the house of your possessions, the house of your relationships, the house of everything you supposedly own, have, coexist with. Everything is God's. You're managing it. And as a successful steward, you're following God's ways and God's powers. Now, Natalie read one example in 1 Peter chapter 4. Turn back there, would you? 1 Peter chapter 4. Since we're really examining Dr. Billy Graham's book, The Holy Spirit, Activating God's Power in Your Life, and we have taken three Sundays on the topics about the spiritual gifts of God, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, you'll find that you and I are stewards of the spiritual gifts that God's given to us. And uh, later on, we're going to have an assessment of spiritual gifts for anybody who'd like to join us, not this coming Sunday, but the next, about understanding what your gifts are. But notice what he says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each one, notice how individual that is, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. There's that word administering, stewardshipping it, stewarding it, guiding it, using it, dedicating it, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be what? Glorified or praised. What is the purpose of stewardship? To praise God, to glorify God, to give thanks to God, and for God to know that you recognize He's the owner. Through Jesus Christ, it says, through Christ we give God glory. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen, says the Bible. So in this passage in 1 Peter chapter 4, something very interesting. Now turn back to the left to that 1 Corinthians passage. We're going to review this just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Once again, here God is speaking to, particularly to those who uh, 
lead God's word, but he's also speaking to every Christian. Notice what he says. So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted. That's the word steward right there. Entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove what? And Paul goes on to say, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear. And notice how true this is. He says, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. Paul said, I could think I'm clear, but I'm not. I'm not innocent necessarily. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time and wait until the Lord comes He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's heart. At that time, each will receive what? His praise from God. Now, notice a moment ago I said that all of us are accountable. Do you know why that accountability is going to happen for you? Not for your salvation. You're not going to be judged as to whether or not you're saved. You are saved if you're in Christ. And you'll never be judged according to your sinfulness because Christ took that sin upon the cross. But you will be judged about your stewardship, how you use the gift of God, and God wants to do that in order to give you praise. He wants to honor you, to celebrate you, to praise you, and to really give you a nod of acknowledgement that you have used what He's given you throughout your life to bring honor and glory to Him. This is what a steward does. Now in the Bible, there are many examples of stewardship which are exemplified in the Scriptures. Now I have to tell you, this is very important, so listen very carefully to this. Your stewardship practices and mine fluctuate. How about saying that word with me? Fluctuate. Fluctuation. That means that sometimes we're much better stewards than we are at other times. It would be wonderful if we could all get on that solid ground of stewardship to be successful with our stewardship. But in reality, we are like the men and women of the Old Testament and the New. I took some notes while I was thinking this through and just jotting them down in my handwriting. Here are some men and women of the Bible who fluctuated in their own stewardship. Oh, oh, by the way, are you still thinking money? Please don't just think money. I'm talking about everything. E-V-E-R-Y-T-H-I-N-G. Everything is what I'm talking about. So as I say these names to you, I want you to... Now you're going to have to have a little Bible knowledge to do this. But I believe all of you can do it. I'm going to call out some names. Remember the key word is fluctuation. We don't have a ton of time to devote to this, but at least give you an idea of what I mean about stewardship being something you must do every day of your life intentionally. So as I call out these names, you think as quickly as you can about that particular person, man or woman, and how at some point they were very good stewards. But other times they weren't so good as a steward. I'm going to help you get started. We'll start with Joseph. When he was a teenager, he was a very poor steward as a believer in God because 
he took that multicolored coat that his father gave him and he slung it and flung it in the face of his brothers. He bragged about how his father loved him more than they and he made himself unliked and even hated. He was not a good steward of what? His mouth. He should have zipped the lip, but he didn't. And he got, unfortunately, sold into slavery for it. But then what happened when he got sold into slavery? He became a great steward of his own personal life. He dealt with his habits. He forgave his family. He was made the ruler under Pharaoh. And what did he do? He caused them to work through the famine of seven years, didn't he? He was a stewardizer. He saved up the food, the grain. So he was at one time a poor steward, but at another time he was a great steward. So now you get, this, you get the point? Okay, here they are. What about uh, Zacchaeus? What about Judas? What about the woman who gave all she had at the treasury that day when Jesus was standing by? What about David before being king and after being king? What about Abraham and Sarah? Mixed history. What about Lot? What about Jacob, Esau? What about them? What was their stewardship track record? What about Mary, the wife of Joseph? What about Joseph? What about Isaiah? Jeremiah? Elijah? We heard about him earlier, right? Well, you might remember the story. We'll just pause here a moment. One day, he was a mighty man, a mighty prophet of God who destroyed all the false prophets. The next thing you know, he's under a juniper tree saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. What about Joshua? Caleb? What about Matthew? John Mark, Paul, Silas, Timothy, Barnabas, Lydia, Aquila and Priscilla. All of these men and women were stewards, and sometimes they were great stewards, sometimes they weren't. They fluctuated, and that's us. You could call us the fluctuators, that's what we do. But the point of the matter is, to be a successful steward means that you're going to be blessed in life and you'll have power to live for God and God will enable you because you will become a steward of yourself. That's your greatest problem. Isn't that nice? I mean, the pastor points out your greatest problem to you right here. And I'm pointing at you and three are pointing right back at me. I'm my greatest problem. Yourself is your greatest problem. Being a steward of yourself, the way you think, the way you act, your appetites, your habits, your patterns, your words, your thought life, the way you handle your money, the way you handle your relationships, 
the way you take care of your home, the way you take care of your car, the way you take care of your health, everything, everything's included, a steward of yourself. Once you become a steward, a successful steward of yourself, recognizing I'm a Christian, I belong to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, God has a purpose and a plan for me, then you will be a successful steward, a steward who is successful in self, self. So the Bible tells us that we are to be a great steward. We are to live a Christian life as a steward. And in addition to that, we are to try as a steward of God to bring stewardship to the uh, world in which we live in. We live in the big world, but you live in your little world too. We live in the United States, and you know what America's greatest problem is in many respects? You probably guessed it, stewardship. You knew I was going to say that. And you say, well, pastor, I don't think so. I don't think stewardship is our greatest problem. I do. Now, I'm going to back that up. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so. Maybe I am, but I don't think so. Maybe you can prove me wrong, but I'm going to tell you why I believe it. Stewardship means that you take what God has given you, and you use it to His glory to build up other people, to build the nation, to build families, to build life. And I just have in my hand here a few of the areas that have been in the news recently that point out such poor and sorry stewardship. Some of them are important. Some are extremely important. But let me try to make my case, all right? Maybe you'll start thinking along this line yourself. Of course, you've been reading in the newspaper about this scandal of fixing entry into college and universities. Have you not? Have you read about that? All right. So if a person were a steward of God's integrity and honesty and money, they wouldn't be trying to cheat in the first place and use deceptive and lying words to get their son or daughter in college and then take the money to bribe somebody, to pay somebody off in some fashion or another to get an education in order to make themselves above other people. And there's a lot to say about that. But do you get my point? William Lyon Phelps, at one time Yale University president, said these words. I know that having an... I'm going to paraphrase this. I know having a knowledge of God... Without a college degree is more valuable than having a college degree without the knowledge of God in the Bible. Wow! What a statement! That's stewardship. That's true stewardship. Well, that's only one area. And uh, in the big news headline about this scandal, the question was asked, where does it stop? Well, my question is, where did it begin? No stewardship. No trustee, no manager, no guardian. Oh, by the way, did you read in the paper recently of a lady whose license was taken away from her to be in guardianship over the estates of elder people? Because why? She was not found to be trustworthy. She was not found to be a good steward. Stewardship's everywhere. Well... It goes on and on in our world today. Here's another one. 
you may or may not even know this name. Sir Berners-Lee wants to reinvent the World Wide Web. You might say, well, who in the world is he? I never heard of him. He's actually the man who invented the World Wide Web. Sir Tim Berners-Lee. He's now, and I have his picture here. His hands are up like this. And he's saying, I want to reinvent the Internet. I want to reinvent it. I somehow want to get control of it because it's wrecking our lives. It's being used for so many bad things that are overpowering the good things in life. And it'd be amazing to you to find out that right now, as of 2018, not 19, there are 1.3 billion websites on the Internet. And a lot of those people are just saying whatever they think, whatever they feel. They're just saying anything and everything. There are no governors, no controls. Why did that happen? Poor stewardship. Not looking ahead. Well, what will happen if I set this loose in the population where anybody can just say and do anything for you and me? We've probably looked at that because we know that man is a fallen creature. His mind has been affected by sin, selfishness. He's not a good steward of himself or herself, but just presses on in any way, shape, form, or fashion that is possible. Well, those are two biggies, aren't they? Here's one that's even worse. The abortion of babies. I know you've been shocked to hear that now people are advocating for born-alive abortion babies. Babies born, babies alive, leave it on the table and let it die. Abort it in that fashion. Praise God. I always want to say this and must say it. Praise God for women who get pregnant and they make the mistake of having an abortion. Maybe they feel the pressure. Maybe they're just not aware of what's right and wrong. Or maybe they are. Maybe they're pressured by that boyfriend who doesn't want to be married. They're pressured by family. They make that decision. They've got pressure within them. But praise God, later when they see the error of their way, they come to the cross. Praise God, the guilt is washed away. The mind is cleared of those nagging, horrible fears and thoughts that come into their minds. And Christ cleanses them. And gives them a new life. And that sin was nailed to that cross. Nailed to that cross with Jesus Christ. Gone. Dead. Forgotten so to speak. Free. Guiltless before God. Because of his grace. And mercy. Dr. James Dobson. Many of you might know that name. He's up in years now. But he's always been an advocate. Of life. And he said these words, and I'll just quote it briefly. You know, he says, in the early days of the abortion movement, after the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision by the Supreme Court, the proponents of abortion would not face the fact that they were killing babies. They did everything they could to keep from having to deal with that. They called it meaningless protoplasm, or a blob of tissue, or a product of conception. They were reluctant and unwilling to let the people know what was really happening. These are issues we're facing right now in our world. 
And these are issues of stewardship, being a good manager of the house of life that God has given to us. And to be a successful steward means that we're living for God every moment we possibly can. Then finally, how do you and I express our stewardship? How do we express the stewardship that God has given us? For this one, in closing, I'd like to ask you to look at your life notes. You'll see a few sentences that I've put together there for you as kind of broad guidelines to help us see what being a successful steward's like in our daily life. First of all, what does it mean to be a successful steward? Well, success is trusting, knowing, and doing God's will in my life. That's what success is. It's doing God's will. Notice that second one. Stewardship is how I live after I say I believe. Anybody can say I believe. Did you know that James, the half-brother of Jesus, said, You believe in one God? Good for you. But the devils believe and they tremble. To say I believe can mean nothing. Or it can mean everything. Stewardship is what you do after you say I believe. The third one, quantity and quality of life both count. But quality of life is true success. Being a good steward of God. Someday... All we have, all we will have, is what we've given to God. Does that make sense to you? One day, the only thing you'll have left, hear me now, is what you've given to God. That's all you'll have. It's been sent on ahead to meet you. It'll be there for you when you get there. And in addition to that, You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead, as I just alluded to. Look at the next to last one. Eventually, every godly thing that a successful steward does travels how? In a circle with satisfying increase. This is what God wants. He wants to circulate His blessings through stewardship. Circulate them in your family, your marriage, your kids, your work, your church, your life, your sports, your entertainment, your health. He wants it all circulating around and asking you to be a good steward of everything He's given you. And finally, we export stewardship. Parents, listen to me. And grandparents, that's what you're here for. You're here for one reason, to export the teaching of biblical stewardship to your children and to one another in marriage so that stewardship will be taught for generations to come. You know, it's said that a parent affects a hundred years of the future. Three generations. By your influence. It could be a lot or a little. Your family, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids. If you have them. And you could affect a hundred years of the future. By teaching, believing, and practicing stewardship in your life. So to be a good steward means that you're living for God. So steward steward is explained, exemplified, and expressed. And the whole bottom line is that according to God's purpose for us, we're partners with God and God reciprocates with us. We're the successful steward. 
And if you will, please, I'd like to invite you to read with me these last two lines. Because this is the bottom line truth. Would you read it with me? I am trusted and entrusted. I trust God in all things. That's when you'll become a successful steward when you do that. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you are so faithful as a steward down to the last little ounce of oxygen that we're breathing right now. The last little leaf on the green trees. The rays of sun, the moonlight, the tides, the beauty of the sky, the beauty of human beings, the beauty of love, true love, and marriage, family, government, to be blessed and protected. Lord, help us to pray to become better stewards and stop fluctuating, but be faithful. And help us to help others do the same. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And may God bless the teaching of His Word this morning. Be a steward. If you'd like to, put your